Now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you for your promise to be with us in all things. And I thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being here today in this place with these people to worship you. We believe, dear Lord, that everyone is here who is supposed to be here today. And we know that you are here. And you have a word for each of us. You have a purpose for our lives. And so I pray that we will all be open in these moments of worship to hearing your voice, to following your leadership, to doing your will. We pray for those, Father, who are dealing with special problems or issues in their lives. We pray your guidance upon them. Lead them by your Spirit. Illuminate their minds. Assist them in the decision-making that it will be in keeping with your will for their lives. And now bless this service and each and every person, we pray, in the holy name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, two of Buckner's buddies are going to lead us in the reading of the Word of God and in prayer. Shay Freeman is going to lead us in the reading of the Scripture. She's reading from the book of Acts. She will tell you that. She's reading from the book of Acts. And I'm preaching on the subject, on the text that she reads for us this morning. And then Charlie Lyons will be leading us in prayer. And so, in deference and respect to the Word of God and to the leading of prayer, let's stand, and Shay will come and read the Scripture, and Charlie pray. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judah and Samaria, to the ends of the earth, Acts 1.8. Now you pray. Dear Lord, we love you and thank you for loving us just like we are. Thank you for this day that you have made and help us to rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for the church services where we can be taught about Jesus and how to be kind and loving to everyone. Please forgive us, God, for not doing what is right and making bad choices. Show us how to help others when they are sad and remind us to be friendly to people even when they are different. I pray for the pastor as he speaks the word in his sermon today and my dad as he directs the music and that lifts people's heavy hearts. Help us not to worry about tomorrow but enjoy today and this time of worship. And now we wait for you to talk to us. Thank and thank, for, thank you for listening to us. In your name I pray, amen. I want you to have a meaningful experience with me for the next few minutes. I want you to use your imagination. We used to have, we used to, have to use our imagination more because we listen to radio rather than television. Television destroys the capacity for imagination. It tells you more than you want to know or need to see. Your own mind does it better. Radio stimulates pictures in your mind. Reading does that, but not many people read much anymore. So I want you to exercise your imagination with me this morning. Do you remember when, when you were little we used to play like? We reduced that to one word, plike. 
play, let's play like this and play like that. Play like this and play like that. I want you to play like with me for just a moment this morning and pretend that you and I are attending the first convention, the first council, the first gathering of the church after the resurrection of Jesus and after the Great Commission and after they had been out preaching the gospel, they began to have some issues that needed to be addressed. And so they called a conference, a convention, a council in Jerusalem. You read about it in the 15th chapter of the book of Acts. And the man who wrote that was one of the participants in that council. The reason they had the council was because there were some folks who were saying that what Paul and Barnabas were preaching on their first missionary journey and what they were experiencing and what Peter had experienced in the home of Cornelius, a Gentile believer, and incidentally a Luke, Luke and also a Gentile, the only non-Jewish writer in the New Testament with the possible exception of the person who wrote the book of Hebrews. We're not certain who that was. May have been Aquila. May have been the only book in the New Testament written by a woman. It would be wonderful if that were the case. But the problem they were having was whether or not you needed to do more than just trust Jesus Christ to be a Christian. There were those folks called Judaizers which were saying, wait a minute, these Gentiles that are becoming Christians Paul, these Gentiles, Barnabas, these Gentiles, Peter, that are becoming Christians, they need to become Jews. They need to be circumcised. And Paul and others were saying, no, that's not essential. It is the transformation of the heart, the circumcision of the heart, as the Old Testament prophesied, that is essential. And so they said, we better talk about it. So they had a conference in Jerusalem. Paul came. Some of these people were meeting each other on a friendly basis for the first time. Some had never met one another. They'd probably heard about each other. Some were old friends. Paul and Barnabas came. The disciples were there. The leaders of the church were there. You're there. Use that imagination. Picture. Room. In ancient Jerusalem, you were there. Peter was pretty much the spokesperson of the group initially. He probably convened the group. And they got together the night before the convention was to begin, and they just talked. They reminisced. Let's eavesdrop. I don't know that it happened like this. But knowing what I know of human nature and of people, and these were human beings and they were people, I imagine something similar to this took place. They're sitting around drinking coffee and talking about him and how they'd met him. And I imagine Peter started it. He said, do you fellows in this room believe we're doing what we're doing? 
from where we started. <laughs> Doesn't it just blow your mind, John, to look around this room? And here we are. I tell you, fellas, I'll never forget when I met him. Many of you were there. My little brother Andrew, of course. Andy, I want to thank you. You, uh, you came back, you told us he was something special, you and James and John. But I didn't know how special he was. Until I met him. Boy, I couldn't figure him out. He just, he just kind of got a hold of me in a, in a strange sort of way. I wasn't sure who he was or what he was, but I knew he was different. And he said some things that, boy, just turned my life on. And then, you guys remember what we began to see happen? I mean, it just, it still blows my mind to think about it. We see sick people made well. And we'd hear these fantastic stories he'd tell, and it was just like he reached inside of us and told our story. And he, he was just giving us a whole new idea about God. I wasn't sure who he was. Man, wasn't it marvelous. Wasn't it terrific. Yeah, Peter, it was. And you remember when you really fouled up up there at Caesarea Philippi? We can look back now and kind of laugh about it. But you know, you made this big statement of your faith. And Jesus patted you on the back and congratulated you and said, Nice going, Simon. That's terrific. And then it wasn't two minutes later he had to turn around and say to you, because you were trying to run his business and tell him what to do, Simon, get behind me. You don't know what you're talking about. Frankly, Simon, we all kind of laughed a little bit because we thought you had that coming. Uh, yeah, he said, I did. Well, didn't I say some dumb things? Didn't I do some? I got in a fight. Can you believe I got in a fight in the Garden of Gethsemane? Oh, I feel bad about that. Well, all of you went to sleep, too, so... You know, share the, yeah, it is. isn't it marvelous what he's done and what he's doing? Do you, do you remember two weeks before he died and was raised from the grave? Do you remember two weeks, two weeks before what happened? That's today. I mean, that, that's today. He said, you remember we were coming through Jericho on our way to Jerusalem. We couldn't understand why he was going to Jerusalem. He was walking right into the mouth of the lion. We knew that we knew that he was headed for big trouble. And we got to Jericho, and there out at the edge of town, you remember that old blind guy, blind Bartimaeus? Do you remember he cried out to Jesus, and everybody tried to tell him to be quiet, and Jesus said, bring him here. And he got up and he came to Jesus, and he received his sight, and he started following Jesus. Wasn't that fantastic? Oh, by the way, old Bart's a deacon down at the church in Jericho today. He'll be at the convention tomorrow. Be good to see him again. And then, we, you remember we went on into town, and there was this crooked, good-for-nothing tax collector named Zacchaeus who came out and climbed up that tree, and Jesus walked up. Remember, Jesus walked up and looked up at him and called his name, and he nearly fell out of the tree, and he skinned his leg coming down. Jesus said, come on, Zacchaeus, I want to have lunch at your house. And you remember, we thought Jesus was ruining his reputation again. Here he was running around with this questionable crowd. And 
We went down to the house and waited outside, and pretty soon Zacchaeus came out, and he started throwing money everywhere. He just started apologizing to everybody and paying everybody back. I mean, this miser started, started giving it away. Isn't it fantastic? Well, Zach will be here tomorrow. You know, he's also active. He teaches Sunday school down to church in Jericho. You, you remember Mary Magdalene? You know, she's chairman of the arrangements committee for the convention tomorrow. She'll be. She's active in the church up at Magdala, where she used to walk the streets. Now walking with the Lord. We'll see Mary. Oh, and do you remember we walked on up to Jerusalem and we got to Bethany, the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Mary and Martha, of course, are active in the arrangements here and planning and programming. Some of you are staying at Mary and Martha's house. And Lazarus died. And he was brought back to life. Jesus raised it. And the turmoil that created and the upset that that, that that produced. And everybody, I mean, all heaven broke loose. And people started being converted. And it was just, it was unbelievable. Well, oh, of course, you all know this. Lazarus is now the church and pastor of the church in Bethany. Little congregation over there. They'll be here. Paul, glad you came. Some of us hadn't met you. We were afraid of you for a long time. Paul says, yeah, I know. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here if it hadn't been for Stephen. I was responsible for his death. But his death was responsible for my life. He's the only person I ever heard witness. I watched his face and I listened to him when he died. He's the reason I'm a Christian today. Peter said, we miss, we miss Stephen. But I still cry every now and then when I think about him. But Paul, you wouldn't be living for Christ if Stephen had been willing to die for him. He died for the cause, you live for it. God's purpose is fulfilled. You remember we, we all got afraid after we had that Lord's Supper. We, we didn't know what was happening and they arrested him. And I, I followed him afar off. Gosh, you all know that. John, you're the only one that made it. Went to the cross. Glad you were there. You helped Mary and his mother and others. I really, I, I cursed. You remember that? I denied him. Went off in the night. All of us were gone. We were all afraid. And then you remember that day? Goodness, who can ever forget that day? We were in that upper room, scared to death, had the door locked, and he came in. And we knew life would forever be different. We knew that life could not exist without him. When he died, our world died. And when he came up, came to life, we came to life. Fantastic, isn't it? 
Simply fantastic. You know, it really convinces me of the fact that resurrection convinced me beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is God. He said, now I had a hard time with that. Said a lot of you had a hard time with that. A lot of folks are still having a hard time with that. But he's God. We began to kind of get hints of that, and inside of us, we kind of embryonically began to believe it, but it, not until he came out of that grave, left those grave clothes there. He came back that we knew he's God, and we're going to give our life to him. Ah, what a man. Likeable, wonderful, friendly, congenial, helpful. But God. Many years later, an agnostic by the name of Robert Ingersoll was riding on a train with his friend, General Lew Wallace. Ingersoll was an atheist, an agnostic, traveled the country proclaiming his message of agnosticism, saying Jesus was a good man, red-blooded hero, but not God. And he said to his friend Lou Wallace, said, Lou, you're a good writer. Why don't you write a book that'll get rid of all of this stuff about the deity of Jesus, all this fiction that's grown up around him. Why don't you write a book and forever lay that to rest and reveal him for what he really was, a great hero, an ideal man, a courageous person who told the truth, but he's not God. And people need to divest themselves of all of that erroneous thinking. You ought to write a book about it. Well, he went to bed, and Lou Wallace said that he uh, got in his berth on the train, began to think about it, and he decided he'd write a book. He followed that suggestion, so that's exactly what he did. He went to the Holy Land and stayed a long while doing research and writing a book to disprove the deity of Jesus, to lay to rest the fact that he was God and reveal him to be what he felt he really was, a good man, a hero, but not God. And so he said, and I quote from him, about him, and then I quote him. He tried to cast out everything he could which would in any sense lend mystery or mystical to the life of Jesus. He tried to write him as a man among men, and his testimony when he had finished is this, and I quote, I am no longer an agnostic. I have done my best to record the life of Jesus as a man among men, and I have found him to be all that, but I have found him to be more than that. Strangely, as I tried to keep my mind from that which would make him God, I have found in my attempt to make him only man that somehow he has taken his fingers and entwined the strings of my heart and he calls me from earth to heaven, from that which is earthly to that which is immortal, 
Jesus Christ is a man, but he is more than that. He is God. Quote Lou Wallace, the book, Ben-Hur. He's God. They sat around that room that night and they worshiped him and talked about him and thought about him and reminisced and recalled those days. And then I believe they said this. Do you remember he said, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth, therefore I want you to go. You go make disciples of all nations. You go to Jerusalem. You go to Judea. You go to Samaria. You go out to the ends of the earth. Well, Peter, you've been up there to Caesarea and preached. Philip, you've been up into Samaria and preached. Paul, you and Barnabas have been on that missionary journey and I understand you're planning another one. He said all power. Do you know something? That all power means that he has the power to take all that happens and make it work together for good in people's lives. Why did Stephen die? He died also that you could live. We know that. Why did dear James die? Herod killed him. Why did that happen? John, your wonderful brother, he was with us from the beginning and Herod killed him. Why? Scattered the church. And they scattered carrying the gospel to the ends of the earth. We can begin to see that there was even a divine utilization of that diabolical event. But God can take the worst that happens and make something good come out of it. It's true, isn't it, men? God works all things together for good to those that love the Lord and to those who are called to do his will. That's right. It? Paul, you write letters all the time. Why don't you write that in a letter? You ought to write that down. We're all here as a testimony to the fact that God can take a bunch of folks, ordinary, everyday people with mistakes and blemishes in their life, and can take events that occur that are disastrous, and he can put it all together and under the power of redeeming love, make something good come out of it. Paul, write that down. Paul said, well, I'm writing a letter to some folks in Rome right now. I think I'll just include that in there. Read it, Romans 8, 28. God works all things together for good to those who love him, and to those who are called to do his will according to his purpose. God's in charge. That's what they were saying. And that's what they were affirming. A Swiss financier by the name of Henri Dunant, very wealthy man, went to Paris to do a financial deal with Napoleon Bonaparte, early 1800s. He got to Paris only to find out that Napoleon had just left with his troops to go to Austria to fight. Henri Dunant followed the troops to Austria. He arrived just in time to be an eyewitness to one of the great military battles of history. He got caught up in those events, and though he never met Napoleon Bonaparte, he found himself in a farmhouse helping take care of the wounded and the dying. 
He went back to Switzerland, never having met Napoleon. And his life was completely changed. He was overwhelmed with a compassion to alleviate suffering in the world and to abolish war. He spent all of his own personal money to try to fulfill that dream. He was the first person to ever receive the Nobel Peace Prize. And he used the money from that prize to further his cause of peace and healing. He died in 1910, penniless. He left nothing, nothing but the Red Cross, which has alleviated the suffering of countless millions upon millions of people. And he took as a symbol of the Red Cross the reversal of the Swiss flag. The Swiss flag is a white cross on a red background. As you well know, the Red Cross is the opposite. A red cross. He left a red cross. He left a red cross to bring peace and healing to a broken and suffering world. That cross is a symbol of peace with God and the love of God and the healing of broken hearts. It is a giant plus sign affirming God's love and his grace. They had a prayer. They said, let's go meet tomorrow. Let's resolve the problem, which they did, and let's do what he said. Go to Jerusalem. Go to Judea. Go to Galilee. Go to Samaria. Go to India. Go to Rome. Go to America. Go! With the good news of an empty cross, an empty tomb, and a full life through faith in the risen Christ. He's God with power to save to the uttermost all who come to him by faith.